This episode is brought to you by our friends at Milwaukee Tools. Outdoor power equipment gives you the power to clear, cut, and maintain the outdoors without the petrol headaches. No pull starts, no engine maintenance, no mixing petrol and oil. Book a test drive now at milwaukeetools.com.au. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at Rick's. Rick's is an Australian lifestyle brand founded with a mission to transform the eyewear industry by creating carefully crafted eyewear that inspires confidence. Everybody should be able to enjoy a touch of luxury and the confidence it brings. See the world differently today. Head online now at rickseyewear.com.au and check it out. Righto, let's get into the show. Was it a bit of a struggle? I mean, I know I struggled a a year out of the game and I retired because of my injuries, but was it a real struggle post-footy? Oh, it was it was weird. I'd sort of mentally been preparing for life after footy. How old were um, you when it- I was thirty? Thirty, yeah. So I'd studied. I got my degree. I bachelor of commerce. I'd I'd sat uh, the. I wanted to be a player manager. Yeah. So I think I think I was I was one of the first AFL players to actually sit the AFLPA accredited managers course while I was still playing. Yeah. Because I thought, why not? I, I can transition straight into that. Um, and then all of it happened quite quickly, and I reckon that's probably one of the reasons why I I started swimming and like eventually went. You know what? I want to have a crack at swimming through this channel because my days had gone from you know, training, getting ready for the 2014 season, to done. Mm. Moved back to Melbourne, mate, no job, no nothing to. No structure to fill my week. Yeah, I, could, I know. You know what I mean? Nothing. Yeah, I know. You go from such a it's like a, it's like school. Yeah, seven days a Massage week. Massage at eight o'clock. Yeah. Physio, train, weights. Did it like Meeting. your whole yeah. your whole week is scripted, and now it's nothing. And mate, Monday to Sunday, nothing. Yeah. So I would just I just jump in the pool and like I'd start. I did a K right just for a bit of, and then the next time I jumped in the pool, I go, oh, you know what? I'll do two Ks because my whole day was free. So if I spent <laughs> 20 minutes or four hours in the pool, it didn't matter, right? <laughs> yeah. And I found it quite therapeutic. You know, like when you just, some people get it running, some people get it doing yoga, whatever, meditating, whatever. I'd jump in the pool and I'd be swimming along and, you know, just thinking things or you just nothing yeah. goes through your head and you'd get out and you'd feel feel yeah. like you'd achieved something for the day and you've got a bit of fitness. And, and so that, yeah, that went from like, 1K to, you know, I was swimming 10Ks, 15Ks, and then I was like, I'm going to fucking have a crack at swimming the English Channel. Mate, let's talk about <laughs> it because it's, mate, if you, like, swimming, so as you said, therapeutic Boy, for some. Shit, man, mate, staring at that it. black line, like it's, how do you, how did you do it? I used to do 1K, two, I think I was doing 2K sessions at the peak of me training when I'd done my calf tendon and I was, I was the opposite. I was getting angrier and right angrier because I was like, I hate this. Yeah. But with running, I'm, I know exactly how you feel because when I run, I feel like that. Yeah. But mate, if you're doing 10 to 15Ks in the pool, that's all, like how long are you in the pool for? Uh, four or five hours. Man, you must have been eating a lot of food. Yeah, you put your bananas and and um, like I'd make sandwiches and stuff on the end of um, the pool and then once you're Done a set, you know, you might have a drink and a and a bite to eat. But um yeah, it was mate, it was but I, I was very much like um I'm I'm quite goal orientated. So if I decided I want to go down that path, then it's it's like do everything you possibly can. You know, so if I said to myself, I'm gonna do five Ks in the pool today, like I would do it, right? Mm. And then 
as you get stronger and fitter and everything. So, um, oh, there was no doubt swimming's quite lonely, you know, like, and I was going out into the bay, middle of winter, just in my budgie smugglers, swimming like, you know, two, three um, hours, fucking seven degrees. You'd get out, you'd be freezing cold, you'd need to jump straight in the steam room because you're like really cold. But you had to acclimatise, you know, mm. to cold to cold water if you wanted to be successful. And ultimately I wasn't successful getting across, but it wasn't because of my lack of preparation. We just got a day where I heard this. the wind, like we just got it turned into a horror day. They reckon it, it was pristine yeah, and for six hours. And then the last, it just turned into yeah. the worst. Quilly was on the boat. Yeah. And, he, and I do have on strong authority that he reckons, I think I wrote down exactly word for word how it was going, but he reckons um, you're in the water for about three hours uh, and they gave you the tap on the shoulder and they said, mate, you're going to have to get out. And you being goal orientated said, I'm not fucking getting out. Yeah, I'll see you in France. Yeah, I'll see you in France. You kept swimming and they tapped you again and said, Campbell, get out of the water. <laughs> You've swam 240 meters in three hours. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, I think when you realize that you're like, okay, that's yeah. just how strong the current was. Yeah, I was, mate, you're spot on. Like the first six hours I was flying, it was flat and the sun was on my back and I was, I was actually not disrespecting the channel. I was thinking, fucking hell, like everyone said how hard this this <laughs> swim is and here I am, mate, just cruising. I'd gone like, I don't know, 22 Ks in the first six hours. So I was, I was, it goes English waters, English shipping lane, um, and then there's the, the middle bit, a separation zone, and then French shipping lane and French waters. So that's the, the breakdown. And I was right on the edge of, the separation zone and the the French shipping lane, which means I'm I'm probably three fifths of the way yeah, there. So twenty five ish k's, right? Because you, you don't do it in a straight line. I think it's like thirty six in a straight line or thirty two, but you do a big S because the current pushes you this way, and then you got to come back. Oh, and you wow. want to try and hit Calais, which is the shortest route. So you do a big S. So I was probably like yeah, twenty three or four k's. I was going well. And that's when the wind, the wind picked up. And when, when the wind picked up, it got more choppy and then it just, it got worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where I'm still swimming because I prepared so well. I was handling the cold and, and I, I was actually thinking, oh, this is the, this is the channel I was expecting, right? This is what makes it so hard. This will be you know, a great, a greater achievement getting across in conditions like this than if it was flat the whole time, right? And, um... Yeah, when I got the tap on the shoulder, Reg Bricknell was his name, the, the boat captain. Um, he'd just been in his little little hut driving for the first nine hours and he blew this whistle and I stopped and looked up and he said, Campbell, you know, we're abandoning the swim. Um, you've, you've got to get in the boat. And that's when I was like, nah, fuck you, Reg. I've come to swim the English Channel, mate. I'll see you in France. And he sort of smirked and he looked down at me in, in the pommy English accent. He goes, son, you won't be getting to France. <laughs> You haven't moved for three hours like this. Like you're literally, and, and as, as you're saying that, I could feel myself getting pushed backwards because I was just drinking water and that made all the fight just fucking left my body. And I knew then that, mate, that, that was over. So I got in the boat and, um, and yeah, mate, no one got across that day. And oh, that's just a that's disaster. A, oh, but what, a, what an achievement just trying to get there. And <laughs> a bit of fun, but more importantly than that, I reckon it helped my transition out of footy for that 18 months because it gave me something to train towards, something to, you know, look look forward to and focus on. And everyone's different, but 
um, for a guy that's goal orientated, you know, like like that was quite important for 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 my end of, of yeah. footy. Yeah, well life. said. I don't I don't know many people. I mean, a lot of people do different things. They go back to the paddock, or they go get paid some cash, or they go to ammo's, or whatever. You've just obviously gone straight into um into in, into that the English Channel. Now, when you got on the boat though, there's a story where you did you throw up in a bucket? Uh, no, nah, I didn't throw up. They Who's, wrapped they wrapped me up in like the hypothermia silver sheet. Yeah, it was pretty cold. Um, I think my missus might have might have vomited in a bucket. One of the my 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 mate cousins he was locked. Like downstairs in this like area that he couldn't get out of, mate. It was those waves coming over the boat. Like he texted his parents and said, "I'm, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> like this boat's going to capsize, and I'm stuck in this little this little enclave in the boat. I, I can't get out. So we're all going to die. Oh, but I was just there, like like unconscious from fatigue, right? So I didn't give a shit. I was just like, just fucking get me home. What a disaster. <laughs> <day>. This is <laughs> too The bucket like kicked and it was the vomit went oh, all over. Oh, went all over my <laughs> sister. And, yeah, mate. Yeah. But, Sounded like a disaster. That, yeah, well, the boat on the way back was fucked. But extraordinary effort. Like I, I uh, and, and it's not, and that's the only thing. That's what I was saying. You're exp- you've done a lot of other things. I'll tell um, you what hurt me though. Less than one week later, a 13 year old kid from Brighton, <laughs> Did the crossing, right? <laughs> Got across. And then a week after that, a lady called Chloe McArdle, who's one of the best marathon swimmers in the world, did a triple crossing. She oh. gets to Calais, does a tumble turn back. And, mate, you don't reckon that Spud Frawley and the boys on Triple M, where I was working at the time, didn't have a fucking field day, mate, about me not getting across, right? And then a 13-year-old kid and then a triple crossing, mate, within weeks of each other. I copped it for for that long because you put yourself out yeah, there. Yeah, of remember, course. I remember you had the. I remember you the old memo said, "Oh, look at this. He's doing Campbell's on the front page. He's going to. He's yeah. going to go do this. Achieve this. Yeah, and, and we're doing. We're, we raised money for the Shane Warne Foundation too right. for hundred grand for the kids and everything. So, um, it was <laughs> it was bloody. And you can't buy it back, right? Like, I, would you go again? Giving it to. Oh, Look, I'd love to. I'd. It's, it's it's something that sort of just sat there, just burning away. Because everything I've ever put my mind to, I've achieved. Right? If I wanted to get a degree, I went and got it. If I wanted to play footy, I went and got it. All these things, um, running that marathon in Antarctica and um, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. So this is the only thing that I felt like I, I fucking have failed at. Um, and quite publicly, right? <laughs> yeah. So if I did it again, I wouldn't tell anyone. Or undercover. I just train my ass off, go over, and but I need a shoulder reconstruction. I've got kids now. It's, it's life's just got in the way a bit. Yeah. But if you want to achieve something bad enough, you fucking find a way to get yeah. it done. Yeah. Oh, it's a good effort. Running in a marathon in Antarctica, is that very tough? Yeah, that was solid. Well, to, to swim the English Channel, I had to get quite fat. So um, I got to 98 kilos of fat, right, because um, insulates your, your organs – so it stops you getting hypothermia and makes you more buoyant, right? So um, I enlisted a hired Billy Brownless to be my um, dietitian. He did a great job getting me to 98 kilos. Um, and so all of a sudden I'm as fat as I've ever been, right? And it was for a cause, so it was fine. It's a bit like being a method actor, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what I needed to do. So I'm, but then I was like, it's like, fuck, now I'm like, all I've done swimming for two years. I was quite unfit in terms of, I was fit in the lungs, but not fit running or anything. And I'm fat. Yeah. Right? And, um, <laughs> and, and by then my hatred of running had sort of dwindled a little bit. I hated running after footy. 
but now I hadn't run for a couple of years. So now I just started to go for a few jogs and everything. So I was like, oh, I'll run a marathon. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. But I was never going to run like the New York marathon or the Melbourne marathon. I just found like the most fucking ridiculous marathon of all time. And then what do I do? I ring my ridiculous mates, Quilly. <laughs> he's there again. He's getting a lot of features. <laughs> he's going to love this. Um, Tommy Little, uh, another mate of mine called Lockie Spark. And we were like, I said, I'm, I'm going to Antarctica in December to run a marathon. And they're like, we're in. So they, we just trained, flew to Punta Arenas, which is right down the bottom of Chile, got on like a, a Russian Hallucian old airline plane, and, and they fly you over. It takes about four hours. You land on Union Glacier. Um, they set up tents, and there's, there's like a little makeshift city there for geologists and hikers and, you know, all that. We flew down. There's about 40 of us and um, yeah, did the marathon, which was bloody solid. So when you, you set up, you camp in, in like a glamping yeah. tent. Yep. And how far is it again? Well, the marathon's 42.2. 42, 42.2. Um, and we were meant to be there for two nights. We we're going to fly in on the Wednesday, um, Wednesday night, do the marathon on the Thursday and fly out on the Friday. That was the schedule. And – they're looking at all the maps and the weather and everything's quite important. So they said, oh, you know what? We're actually going to fly in on the Tuesday. This is some bad weather coming. So we thought, we thought, great. We'll get an extra night on Antarctica, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then they're like, oh, the, the weather's come in early. Two laps of a 21.1 kilometer course now needs to be four laps of a 10.6, whatever it is, because of visibility and everything, right? And- I didn't know this, but Antarctica is like the driest continent on the on the planet, right? So they don't actually get a lot of of rain and snow, but it's covered in ice. So the the night before we do this marathon, mate, it fucking snows for twenty hours, and the beautifully manicured course that they'd done for us was like eight inches of snow. Oh. So that would that went went from being like. Um, doing the run on maybe bitumen, it's, it's ice, but it was manicured, to doing a marathon in soft sand. Yeah. Because every single step we would would fall fall down. And then, again, mate, so your hip flexors and glutes. I was going to say, mate, mate, did, you, did you strain anything? No, I didn't. Quilly pinged his calf at the 20K mark and kept going. That's a good effort. Yeah, it was a great effort. You, um, did you beat Quilly that day? I did. Yeah, I did. Um, bit, a bit of a theme going on here, isn't it? <laughs> He he says um, he did his calf and and a, and a real mate should have slowed up and run with him and helped him through. I fucking just took off. Um, um, but like time was irrelevant for the run. Like a lot of people go, oh, you know, you've done a marathon. What time did you get? Oh, I want to get under three hours or yeah. whatever. This one was purely for me about. I've never done a marathon. I've certainly never done one in Antarctica. Now it's tough conditions, so I did it like. Five hours and forty minutes, which oh. is fucking slow for a normal oh, marathon. It would have been so tough. But I just wanted to to complete yeah. it, which we did. And uh the weather was so bad that we got stuck there for another week. What? Week. I and didn't that, know this. Yeah, another week. Yeah. Yep. So we're there like for like ten days all up, maybe nine nights. And they and we're starting to stress a bit, right? Because now it's oh, it's close to Christmas. Yeah. Right? And we've all got loved ones. We wanted to be back for, for Christmas with our families and stuff. 
And everyone was starting to get a bit well, we'd run out of alcohol down there. So no disaster, mate. I, I snuck into the kitchen one night and was drinking um the the um the wine that they put in food. You know that? <laughs> the red wine. Yeah, yeah, mate. <laughs> Just trying to get my hands on. Um and they said, Look, guys, we don't want to stress you out, but there's like a five hour window tomorrow night at like eleven PM until three AM. And but it's light the whole time there. Right, it's just never dark. So you, oh, really? You, yeah, you don't know what's what. But they said if we can't get you out in this four-hour window, we're going to do everything we can. We've got the Hallucian waiting to fly in. We just need to make sure that the conditions are okay and safe. Uh, I'm really sorry, but you'll be here for another week. And we're thinking, fuck me, like this will be two weeks in Antarctica. We're meant to be there for two nights and we'll miss Christmas. Oh, my Lord. So thank God. They landed and they got us the hell out of there, mate. We were like caged lions. Imagine being stuck oh. in Antarctica in a tent because there's nothing else to do except for maybe Tommy Little did a stand-up comedy, like did he? yeah, yeah, which was great, you know. That is good. Um, down in Antarctica, but mate, there wasn't a lot going on down yeah, there. Yeah, you wouldn't know what to do. I mean, that's that's when you just start. You and Quilly would start shaping up, wouldn't you? Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah we come to get, that. Get, <laughs> that's when you start to get sick of each other. You'd have to start wrestling each First other. First time you? ever, mate. First time ever we shaved up and nearly had a crack. Oh, it's fucking great, man. That's yeah, well done. I, I don't know how many um, podcasts you've been on, and or you know how many times you've told that publicly, but I don't know a lot of people that would understand. You know all these things you've done. They're they're uh, they're impressive. They're impressive. I need to uh, I need to take some. You should of come off. on our next one. We're going to um, Mount Aconcagua in um, December to climb um, one of the seven summits in the Andes. I'd have to do so. I mean, maybe I won't say that. I don't want to because I'm a man of integrity. But yeah, yeah let's let's follow yeah, up on December that. December first, mate. We've got Glenn Boss, Tommy Little, um, Tony Woods, who uh, former Hawthorne player, mate of mine, a good mate of mine, Riley Brockoff. Um, I think Dan Hanbury said he he's pretty keen oh, to do it. In? So just getting like yeah, a, a, good, a good little crew of and how, you know, how half a dozen guys. What's it going to require? Like how how big is this? It's a fourteen. It's fourteen days, man. It's like seven thousand meters. It's pretty high. Yeah, physically challenging, but not disastrous. Um, but it's so high that it just you got to be quite slow and have a few rest days because of the altitude. That's why it takes so long. Yeah, but it'd be it'd be epic. That'd be a great experience, wouldn't it? Fourteen days. Yeah. You'd really go to the dark side on that. Got him, mate. No you, phones. Nah, that's just good. Like, Get away from it. How good. Oh, I that, love that shit. Like every couple of years I try and find- A challenge. Something that's- But but I, I would never do it just by myself. Like part of the fun is getting your mates that come along, you know, and, and, and you train together, gives you, you know, something that you can really look forward to. Like, mm. you know, we're in February now, but I'm already like- Thinking you know, about it, and I'm tra I'm back training. It's it's given me purpose to, you know, get out and train again, go to the thousand steps, and just get my ass back into gear. Because you know that, you know, it, all, every session is going to help you achieve oh, what tough. you want to do. You've done Kokoda, haven't you? Done Kokoda Hawthorne, two thousand four. One of the best things I've ever done. Hard, really hard. Yeah, mate, but they did they did it as a as a training slash leadership exercise. So we would get up at six a.m. in the morning for the the hike, which would be hard enough. And we'd walk around a corner and, and they'd have um, 60 kilo, well, a, a, a makeshift stretcher, right, with three 20 kilo sandbags in it, 60. Like, hey, boys, one of the one of your teammates has been shot. He's yeah, just Kokoda. Yeah. He's an injured soldier. And you have to to save his life. You've got to carry him out. And, mate, these, the, the track is some spots only one person, right? And we, we've got to carry, you know, a 
60 kilo stretcher wow. out. And they did all that sort of shit too, you know, which made it way harder. But um, I, I couldn't recommend it more highly, Kokoda. Do you see like what comes out of people on the trip? Yeah. So it's a real good eye opener. Yeah. See what people are made of. Yeah. And, and then you see people struggling and, and which, which people go out of their way, out of their comfort zone to go back and help them up and, you know what, mate, I'm going to carry your pack. Yeah. Give you a spell. Because right, there's some people that just head down, just do it. Yeah. You know, like I was probably one of those guys back then. I didn't have a, a great deal of empathy towards, you know, <laughs> just get, just, others that struggled. I was yeah. just like fucking just hard enough. <laughs> but as you get a bit older and you're more mature and you, you know, you see what, what leadership looks like and all that. Yeah. You know, you, you see things differently. Yeah. Right? No, it's well said. I've never done it, but I, um, I remember we did, we, when I was at Calder Cannons, I remember they had like a similar, I think similar guys that were on that camp did like a three or four hour equivalent. And I just did me appendix. I just had me appendix right. taken out. So I hadn't done any exercise for a month and we did it. And it was the, I don't know whether it was just the hardest thing in the world for me because I hadn't done any exercise. And when you get your appendix out, you, you, you know, you're weak and everything or your core's gone. And we're doing, I never forget, we're making us do this push up challenge and, and, and they're like, got everyone to do them. And I couldn't, I just, my muscles just couldn't broke do down. And, and I'd like, leave him. Because <laughs> blokes were trying to like grab my really? shirt and pick me up. They're going, leave him. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, mate, we're going to be here for fucking six more hours. Just like, my arms are shaking. But I remember them, they, them saying that these are the guys that run those camps. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, pretty I'd impressive. I highly recommend it. We've got the Rixies here, mate. Beautiful, mate. I, I must love say, good, uh, Sunny. Uh, Ricks and Retirement is our segment. So I'm rocking the uh, brand new Melrose, the Crystal Green. We good. just brought out. So if anyone out there wants them, they're now online with the Melrose Sunrise. So check them out. Obviously, we uh, we have the discount code active, 20% off. Use the discount code ACES at checkout uh, at rickcyber.com.au. Now, Brown Dog, I got you the Tribeca dark green crystal grey polarized. I've seen you. You're always in a suit. And these are the uh, these are the difference, mate. So these are the Tribeca uh, sunglasses here from Rick's Eyewear. There we go, mate. Oh, uh, yeah, a million bucks. Because I need a, I need a, I'm usually an aviator guy, but I, I need know. to change tact a little bit. Here's an Italian Mazzucchelli acetate, yeah. premium job green. Not many people Love will that. have a dark crystal green uh, on their face and very versatile. Beautiful. You're a well-traveled man. Uh, I kind of know what you're going to say here because it's pretty funny. I already kind of alluded to it at the start, but Rick's in retirement is the place where when uh, when you're at that age and you got uh, we always say and keep them on just while you answer this is my favorite part when you when you have as much cash as you need to retire your family's also everyone's the kids are off to school it's just you and the Dale you're going to retire and you could take your Rixies with you in the world where's the one place Campbell Brown would take the Rix and retire and why well I think we've <laughs> There won't be many people will be surprised when I say I'd, I'd go to Vegas. Yeah, I would. Um, I've said to people before, if I if I die, well, it should be extremely unfortunate for <laughs> everyone involved. Um, I'd like my ashes, right? And I just want take me to the <laughs> cosmopolitan um, balcony that we spoke about, and I just want you to fucking throw me off <laughs> down the strip so it gets in fucking people's hair and eyes and fucking just. Just causes as much chaos as I possibly can. <laughs> it's great. So sprinkle the ashes down the strip yeah, off the balcony in of people's Cosmo. mouths. Like, ah, <laughs> what the fuck was that? It's just you're just unloading the brown dog off off the Cosmo balcony. Isn't that the way to go? Oh, that is unbelievable. 
<laughs> the brown dog. You are the Vegas king. Honestly, mate, if I ever go there, I'm going to have to bring him to call you up so you can duck over. Because you would do that, wouldn't you? You'll duck over for the weekend. If yeah, you could, oh, yeah, mate. Just a no, oh, yeah. big event. Yep, I'm in. And I'll come straight back home and nothing's changed. Yeah. Oh, well, the great thing is I'm basically unemployable. So it's, uh, I, 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 no, I never have too many gigs locked in in advance too long, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to do mailbag at the end. Now, you don't come on empty handed. You got the Rixies, but you also got the Milwaukee Outdoor Lifestyle three piece power pack. Mate, they are unbelievable. And a big shout out to Milwaukee Tools. Um, this one is perfect. It's the perfect pack. It was created for those heading away to camp, fish, or simply enjoy the outdoors. Uh, when you get a break. Beautiful. Uh, so you got everything in there. You got the pruning saw and contractor bag, the LED lantern, floodlight, compact blower, and you got some six AMP batteries and chargers, mate. So I think it's a valued at about 720 bucks. Um, and for those who do miss out, check out Milwaukee authorized retailer partners to buy one of these in store or online. Head to milwaukeetools.com.au. Nothing but heavy duty. So Brown Dog, Beautiful. that will be coming home with you, my friend. Well, good on my, uh, my property. Who is the biggest Milwaukee tool you reckon you've played with? And sometimes people don't understand when we say tool, it's, it's a good thing. It's always the guy in the locker room that you just love that always brings the energy. He's that tool that always made you smile and brings the boys together. Who would be the Milwaukee tool? Uh, Michael Osborne. Remember him? Yep. Yeah. Um, number seven, I think for the, for the Hawks was a seven, maybe. Um, he was a, a very underrated footballer, really important for, for our 2008 flag and, um, always brought the laughs. Did Aussie? Oh, that's um, brilliant. So yeah, he's uh, you could always rely on him to be cracking gags in the uh, spa or whatever it may be. There you go. Well, the uh, Aussie Osborne, Milwaukee tool of the uh, of Campbell Brown's uh, football career. There you go. I was trying to work on that because remember there's a show. I can't remember what it was. But it's a tool of the week. So I don't want to oh, steal. Yeah. I don't want to steal their segment. We're going to come up with it because some people get a bit scared to say who the tool is. That was um, um, the Channel 10 show um, before, the, before game. the game. They, I used uh, to love it. Andy Marr and that. One yeah. of my favourite, uh, Tool of the Week was one of my favourite segments. But um, yeah, I love it. The tools in the locker room are sometimes Crucial. exactly what you need, especially after a big loss. Now, the mailbag, we finish here. Uh, again, a big shout out to all the aces. Uh, it's going to be a big year. And when we put these up, when we know we've got time and, uh, and our guests are coming on, we, we love your questions. So there's been a few here and I'm going to read them raw because I read them okay. last night and I'll skip a few if we've already touched on Far them. Away. Here we go. Fitzy, uh, I think it's L underscore Fitzy. What was the best part about playing in the EJ Witten game and the after party? <laughs> oh, it was just great to be be playing with all the legends. I mean, obviously it's a great cause, um, prostate cancer and, and, uh, everything involved around, you know, male's health. But, um, yeah, like a lot of the guys that played were before my era and having, having guys like Rexy Hunt and those guys as your coach, you know, yeah. Dermy, um, just a good piss up, mate. That's just great. a really good piss up that and, is and good fun. That is fantastic. What's better? Here we go. Coffees and frothies. This is a fantastic question. What's better, a Hawks premiership or being captain of Australia's combatty team? Combatty team. Combatty team. Oh, definitely the Hawks flag. Like that was a lot of a lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears went into that one. Um, and that's what I I dreamed of as a kid. But um, I tell you what, mate, when you fly over to India, you're in a metabad and you've just shaken hands with the Indian Prime Minister, and you link up, <laughs> and you hear the national anthem, and you're the captain of your country. 
It's a great moment. The only thing that probably spoiled it for me was I had no fucking idea what Kabaddi was, and I didn't, <laughs> and I didn't know the rules. So there was a there was an element of trepidation there because <laughs> we just got our ass handed to us by the Indians who knew the game quite well. Um, what is the game? I actually forgot to ask you. There's on my script. I misread it. What is it? I've only I only literally found out about this two days ago. Kabaddi is um, is like British Bulldog. There's there's seven a field on this like little sort of yep. maybe like a tennis court type field. Um, one person who's called the Raider will go into the opposition's territory, <clears throat> and you have to chant Kabaddi. And you go, you go on there, right? Yeah, if you stop chanting, you, you lose. And you need to try and get points. And the way you get points is you can either you either get your foot deep in the, the one of the, the the back lines. It's a bonus point, and then every person you touch or tag or whatever, and get back to your side before you get fucking maimed. Right? Is how you get points. So. You want to try and go in there and do these spins and look all, you know, and try and get them and then get back. And, mate, and that, we just grabbing legs, chicken wings, and grab them by the head. <laughs> just stop them any way you possibly can. Right? And you've got to chant the whole time. Gubbity, 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 gubbity. <laughs> so, so really weird game, but um, a bit of fun. And like British Bulldogs, right? You want to try and get through and and, and not get got, get tagged. Did you and, clean a couple up? Yeah, I got carded. I, um... <laughs> I, I was getting a bit frustrated with that we were getting beaten by the Bangladeshis. The skipper had to make, had I to did. make, make some and noise. I was, I was one out because when you get touched, you're you're off, and then it might be 7v6 and you get and 7v5. So I was one out and this raider was coming in trying to get me his fucking doing handstands and all this sort of shit. And he was coming to get me, so he thought I'd be evasive, but I thought, you know what, like I'm going to be – the one that attacks him, which makes absolutely no sense in Kabaddi, right? <laughs> because you're, you're trying to be elusive. So he's come in, he's doing all these spins and that, and I just fucking charged at him, right? And I grabbed his jump and put it up over his head and nailed him. And um, yeah, like God, come out, mate. It was, it was a bit disappointing because I think I became the first Australian athlete that's been now yellow carded in two international sports because <laughs> yeah. they sent me off against the Irish as well for knocking that bloke out in Subiaco. That's right. And now, mate, Bang I got sent off against Bangladesh. So, yeah, it's not, oh, uh, not unbelievable. Something. You are a hard nut. How did you even get into that? Okay, where, where does, how do you even? I, I, I got a call. So it was grand final week. And uh, 2017, I got a call from a guy called Bruce Cater, who's a player manager that's that used to look after Matt Della Vadova and Andrew Bogut. He rang me out of the blue. He goes, Brandy, I've got your number off someone. Um, I've got this really sort of weird out-of-the-box scenario that could potentially mean, you know, coming to India and playing this sport for Australia. Um, it's called Kabaddi. I said, what is Kabaddi? And uh, I said, mate, that sounds interesting, but like, when are we going? And he said, oh, yeah, it's sh short notice. We're going, like, next week. <laughs> and I was like, fuck right, I Like, I'm going to miss the Caulfield Guineas and the Caulfield Cup, right? I, I'm not going. Can't go, you know. And, like, two days later, he rang me back. He goes, Brownie, how would you like to be the captain of the Australian Kabaddi team? <laughs> right? And I went, like, chest came out. Like, always dreamed of, like, putting on the baggy green and everything. And I went, mate. Done. That's got me across the line. I said, have I been ratified by the Australian Kabaddi Federation? He goes, no, you haven't. I said, oh, I assume then I got voted in by my Australian Kabaddi 
He is? He said, nah, not that either. I said, mate, well, why are you making me captain? He goes, well, you're the first person that's committed to the trip. Can you, <laughs> can you help me put a team together? That's legit, right? So then I get to work. Hey, boys, you want to come on a footy trip to, to India? Like, we've got to play a few games of this sport, but we'll just get on the piss and have fun, right? And um, I got Adam Schneider and um, and uh, Stevie Milne yep. on the trip and a Sorry. few other and a few other guys. Well, I didn't do my research right. I met a bad where we went. Dry state, no oh. bars, no alcohol is allowed. They confiscated our duty free as we walked off the plane. <laughs> Fucking disaster! I in customs, I had to sign a declaration to to say that I was. Dependent on alcohol <laughs> for them to give my Malibu back. They wanted to confiscate me Malibu over my dead fucking body were they confiscating my Malibu. So I basically had to sign a form saying I was an alcoholic and we were allowed to take it into our rooms only. And if we took it anywhere else, you'd be arrested because it's against the, oh, the law of whatever. Yeah. Hindu or. So, so how was the trip then? Well, it was tough. We were getting our ass handed to us when we were playing Kabaddi and we couldn't fucking celebrate or do anything. I was getting a police escort everywhere I went, being the Australian captain. Oh, that is um, They wouldn't let me out of their Have sight. Have we got footage of this? Yeah, I've got some photos and oh, shit I can I share. It. So yeah, that is pretty great. unreal experience. And and I thought we'd be much better for the run, having having been in the Kabaddi World Cup 2017, and they have it every two years. So I thought, all right, now we know what we're doing. 2019, we'll be much better prepared. And then the World Cup comes around, straight around fucking invited, aren't we, mate? <laughs> they gave us the ass from the whole competition. So I am still, still the current Australian captain of Kabaddi. Oh, there you and go. I, and, mate, I will be forever. forever. <laughs> <laughs> mate, you are something. That is unbelievable. Kabaddi, 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 Kabaddi. Kabaddi, Kabaddi, Kabaddi. <laughs> It's so funny. Oh, that's brilliant, mate. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I was almost not going to ask. They I'm played fine. it on Fox. When they, once they got wind that we were going over, Schneider, me, and me, they put, played it on Fox footy live. Oh, that is fucking yeah. funny, mate. I'd Couldn't love some it. video video. We knocked off Argentina. Oh, you did? So you actually got the chocolates on one. Yeah. Big historic moment for Australian landscape. And the, and the Australian skipper. Sport, yeah, you know? that's so I'm surprised they didn't invite you back if you're getting them chocolates That'll be a trivia <laughs> quiz one day, you know. Which country did the Australian Kabaddi team have their first ever victory? Argentina. <laughs> Who was the skipper? Led by the, the brown dog. <laughs> the brown dog. <laughs> Do you to say brown dog? <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone leading in. What was your best Stevie Baker story from Isaac Baker? St well, my favourite Stevie Baker story, and, and I, um, they, were, they were playing Collingwood and um, – I reckon Ross Lyon had spent the whole week. Pendlebury was in unbelievable form. And uh, Bakes is the ultimate competitor, but he doesn't watch footy. He doesn't take in any footy. He doesn't. He didn't even know how to drive to Etihad Stadium. He, he lives in Brighton. He had to re, re in Montagna and they had to drive him there. Um, and so team meetings all week, you know, Scott Pendlebury, Scott Pendlebury, Scott Pendlebury, you're tagging him, fucking you, got to play him. And they walk into the middle of the MCG and Bakes goes straight over to Dane Swan, starts roughing him up. And the boys go, Bakes, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, Pendlebury. <laughs> oh, mate, that's Scott Pendlebury. <laughs> 
And he's like, oh, shit, and walks over and he, like, starts doing that, right? Like, can you believe it? <laughs> that is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, so that's, but that's fakes. I reckon he's, he was as tough as, I like, Hayden animal, Valentine's. Man. Yeah, animal. He's an animal. Um, Be- just, best bloke, too. He's, yeah. He's, um, he's, he does all the, you know, like a lot of the challenges and shit as well. Like, he just, yep. that, fit that, is, that, yeah. yeah. Fit and hard and tough, yeah. Now, I don't but know if you can boys. Can believe that, That, that is bikes. fucking funny, mate. So he's going straight to. <laughs> wrong bloke. <laughs> oh, wrong bloke. And did he get the job done? Yeah, he would have. He would have. Yeah, he would have got the job done. Um, does Brownie dominate? Here we go from Sam Summers. Does Brownie reckon he would dominate more in this era or the era he played in? Uh, I didn't dominate in any era that I played in. So <laughs> I, I would dare say I'd be fucking hopeless, mate, in this era. Just the running and the kept. Why? Not a great runner. Not a great decision maker. You know, like um, my best attributes were I was a stopper, right? So. Give me the best, you know, medium to small forward and I won't leave their side. I'll stop them. I've got the leg speed and, and vertical leap to spoil and tackle and chase and right. But then the game transitioned into zones, full ground presses where you don't actually have a direct opponent for the four quarters. Mm. You know, if I'm, I'm zoning here and if you sort of come through my area, they'll pick you up for a bit and, and like with that, you, you lose a bit of the accountability. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's games now that some small forward might kick three goals and you'd have absolutely no idea who th- who the three goals were kicked on mm. because he got out the back of, a, you know. And structure a, a, takes, you A know, kick in and someone yeah. had him for five minutes yeah. and then someone had him for 30 seconds and all these handovers. So um, I, and then they brought in chopping of the arm rules, which when I played, that so I played centre-half back in 2007. That was the year I was All-Australian. I played on. Havlich, Rewalt, Lucas, all the Ash Hansen, all the big guys. And you could chop their arm. So you're just whacking their arm. Well, arms. yeah, of course, because I'm five foot ten. You'd keep up up their ass on on the on the lead. And then as soon as the kick came in, you'd, you'd hit them with your chest to try and then you'd just chop their arm. Yeah. Bring the ball to ground, job done. Yeah. So now I can't do that. Um used to like if I ever got the ball on the Goal line, man, shit myself, <laughs> handball through, right, yeah. rush behind. You could do that. Yeah. So they brought in a few rules that sort of like. The brand know, dog the, really took advantage of. They didn't like, yeah, they <laughs> they didn't. It, when they came in, it affected my game. I just remembered Vegas. You told me a very funny story about Clarkson one day. I think, you you know, you had your best game and there was a, remember that one? When oh, when he, he used to say to me. This is hilarious, mate. Brandy, you always need to know your strengths and your weaknesses and, and um. No offense to you, but we don't want you with the ball in hand ever. And if you do ever find the ball in your hand, don't ever kick. <laughs> That's why we've got Birchall, Hodge, Ladson, you know, the really good users. Just give it to them. So, man, I got the, I got the pill one day, halfback flank, had an acre in front of me. So, I ran, I had a bounce, had another bounce. I'm thinking to myself, mate, can someone fucking come near me so I can handball it off, please, because I'm not allowed to kick the footy. And um, I think I ended up kicking it long inside the forward 50 and sort of shit myself because the runner came out and they said, oh, mate, good run and carry, Brownie, but for fuck's sake, don't kick the footy. <laughs> and then the other time was when we played St Kilda and I'd had 12 touches in the first quarter and I've come in at quarter time. Is this the story you're referring yeah, to? Yeah, when you had a heap of it. Got 12 touches in the first quarter for a guy that averaged 14. So, like, I'm world record pace for me. And I'm thinking to myself, I said to the boys, hey, I'm on today, boys. I'm fucking <laughs> – the footy's just finding me, right? 
And um, I reckon, you know, you can you can use me a bit more. And <laughs> defensive coach comes flying down with Clarko to the defender's huddle, right? And they go, Brownie, do you realise what they're doing? They're running away from you. They want you to get the footy because <laughs> you're just fucking turning it over. <laughs> and here I was thinking I was having a blinder. I, and then I went and then it clicked, right? I remember a couple of the Saints boys going like, no, 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 Schneider, no, let him have it, right? Like this. And, mate, I was shattered. You imagine like, because <laughs> sure enough, like I'd try and pull the trigger on an inside kick, turnover, right? <laughs> Goal. <laughs> so I think I ended up. You know, without without getting the ball again for the rest of the game because Clarko, mate, he wouldn't let me. Oh, mate. There's stuff that people out there don't realise. Like, yeah. that is literally what they do in the zones. They go, yeah. give it to the, the bloke that we want him to run well, carry course. and then if he just kicks it long or whatever. Um, fuck, that is funny, mate. That is, <laughs> let uh, him have it. That is so good. <laughs> so let him have it. Let him have it. <laughs> what's your favourite part? Here we go. Simon Scott, what's your favourite part about working with the SEN track team? Love your tips, brother. Oh, thanks, brother. Um, yeah, I, I just it's it's just a really cool environment that you can go in there, um, watch something you love, talk about it. Hopefully, you know, tip the listeners into making a bit of money. Um, that's the ultimate. But just um, just enjoying it, you know, and bringing something a little bit bit different to yeah. what can be quite a you know like um, sectionals and speed maps and barriers. It can be quite Classic. stale. Yeah. If you can play a bit of music and have a bit of fun. Great energy, yeah, vibes. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Lasbird33, why was the rivalry rivalry with Geelong so fierce and always just so close? Yeah, I, th- I think just two great teams that um, were pretty similar in the way that they sort of played or liked to play against each other. Um, and and just a great respect for one another. Two teams at the top of their game. Um because you're right, like they were always close, always close. But we had the Kenneth Curse hanging over us after the 08 grand final and we knocked them off and then Jeff said, I think that they're um, they're you know, mentally weak, right? And we lost 12 games in a row. I know. But, and and a lot of them, like Jimmy Bartell kicked a point after the sign, Tomahawk kicked a goal after the sign from 55. Um, we'd be up by 15 points with eight minutes to go. They'd go bang, 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 mate. Win. And like every time that they knocked us off, we would be more and more shattered, right? Because how did we lose that? Yeah. And it became, I think the Kenneth Curse little era is one of the great moments in modern sport. They should do a doco They, on they it. actually should, right? Because Geelong side were littered with legends. You know, Gary Ablett, Stevie Johnson, um, Milburn, Scarlett, Harley, um, Cam Moon, like Lingy, like legends. And then Hawthorne were as well. You know, Buddy, Hodgie, Sammy Mitchell, um, Sean Burgoyne, you know, like just champions everywhere. And they just, just played and they're always high scoring games. I think they were good games for yeah. for viewers to watch because it was a bit of a shootout and we just kept being on the wrong end of them. But I think Shawnee kicked that goal in the prelim that, that buried them again, like in, the, in another big prelim. And so there's been, there's been big moments that mm. – that Hawks have beat the Cats, but in the regular home and away season and that, it was always Shillong. There's nothing better than a rivalry game. Um, and that's something that Hawthorne's in a lot. There, I was an Essendon fan growing up. I think someone's written a question here about Sully and Lloydie. I'm trying to work out where it is. Here we go. Is Lloydie lining up Sully end up as one of the biggest moments of his career out of 10? How mad were you? Oh, yeah, we're all pretty mad. Yeah, like Sully's a great mate of mine. Um, you never want to see, you know, your teammate – 
injured, but he was in a really bad way. Like mm. when the we we take the piss out of Sulik as we call the claw. The claw came out. <laughs> um, he was out cold before he hit the deck, broken eye socket, and yeah. Mo- um, but again, just a great moment in 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 the rivalry. Um, because Hawthorne Essendon had the rivalry in the eighties, and then I reckon through the nineties, early two thousands, they were a dominant side, and Hawthorne were were quite insipid. You know, like we mm. we didn't we weren't aggressive, we didn't stand up for ourselves, and all that, and which led to um, the, the line in the sand stuff, right? Which sort of reinvigorated this great rivalry with Essendon, and there was absolute hatred. You know, like it wasn't. I think now it's manufactured a bit. Yeah. Um, with clubs, but that, that was a real thing. And then when it flared, you know, like we'd go there and we'd, we'd want to fucking beat them and we'd want to hurt them mm. and we'd want to like, you know, really get into them. And we started to win a few games and everything. And then the, the, the Lloydy, um, sorely hit, like, like took it to a whole new level oh, again. Yeah. Um, there's a big dust up. I still remember yeah. Adam, Adam McPhee, I reckon had blood all over his face. And you boys, you and Osborne, I reckon were in there together. That, that was the line in the sand game. That was a line yeah, in the sand Richie game. Yeah, where Richie Vandenberg got Sorry, six Richie weeks. Sorry, that's Richie Vandenberg game. That yeah, one. Yeah, and Chance Bateman. Lordy was the next one, was it? Lordy was the next ah, one. Ah, there you go. So, so bang, bang. Box Yeah, office. a couple of years later he did that. And that was, like, that was Lordy's last ever game. Oh, was that Lordy's last game? Yeah. And we'd gone into that game pretty much, I mean, the stakes couldn't be higher where Eighth and ninth on the ladder, last game of the home and away season. Whoever wins plays finals, right? You got Hawthorne Eston Saturday afternoon, MCG. And we had a few injuries. Bud wasn't playing. And um, I think Maxie Gorn had done his knee in the first quarter. He's done for the, the, the rest of the game and a few other little things. And, mate, we played pretty well in the first half. We're up by like 26 points. And Lloydie hadn't had a kick and I was chirping him. Oh, you poking the bear. Yeah, I was poking the bear, right? And, um, Straight after half time, he'd obviously gone into the rooms and realised he wasn't playing well and said, you know, like, I think he was contemplating retirement. <laughs> um, he said, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm going to come out and make a statement. I'm going to get someone. I think his intent was to get Sam Mitchell. He lined up at the back of the square. Yeah. And the ball gets bounced. It trickles that, you know, that way. It just, everything just happened to perfection for, for him. Like, if the ball bounces that way, like, he Nothing runs that, in, yeah. he doesn't, do you know what I mean? But- He's come through a fucking poor old Sully just copped Oh, it. that would have been a big hit. And so she was on, but it, cha- it did absolutely change the game. We lost focus. We lost a couple of players. Obviously, now Sully's gone for the day. And um, they, I, I think Michael Hurley kicked five in the second half as a young kid, and they got up and won. So Essendon play finals. Lloydie got seven weeks suspension or something. I get on Clarko after the game. Went at him on the ground. Oh, wow. And Mark Evans had to hold him back. He, he, he wanted him. And then I was doing an interview after the game and um, they said something about the incident. So I thought, oh, you know what, I'll I'll have my two bobs for it. That's when I caught him the biggest sniper in the game. Do you remember that? <laughs> yeah, I think I do, yeah. Um, and uh, and I said, I hope he, you know, hope he doesn't retire because you know, when we play him next year, we're going to square up. <laughs> well, mate, <sighs> all hell broke loose. Harold's son, love that. Oh, well, it's it's very divisive comments, right? and I said in in the heat of the battle. But I stand, I stood by them. I still do. But geez, mate, the Essendon supporters, they fucking weren't happy. The Hawks supporters, mate, they were they were baying for blood, right? Um, Lloydie reckons he needed a police or security to escort him to his car, like it was it was proper. Yeah, and 
I mean, it's not that anymore. Nah. You know, it's not that anymore. Hawthorne plays in round one this year. Oh, really? I'm doing the game for seven. We're not going to see fireworks, you know, but I'd be disappointed if we didn't see a level of aggression that is above and beyond a normal, you know, two teams. Round one. Scotty's first first time he's coaching, you know, the club, new captains, Sammy Mitchell wanting to mm. – I'd be, I'd be pissed off if – if it's just a meek I'll be pissed shootout. off if you're not in the rooms pre-game, yeah, giving the boys that. a bit of a rev yeah, up. Right. It's like right. a top golf there in yeah, Vegas. I've got to be impartial, though. I've got to be impartial. Do you actually hang out with, like, do you see Lordy around the traps? Like, he's, it's a, That's the best part about when you yeah, finish Yeah, mate. We, we get on absolutely well um, and always did. We just had these moments within games that, you know, I got four weeks for belting him back in 2005 and, you know, just a few things like that. So, But we always got on great. And I think the thing that really sort of s- cemented our relationship was Sully was having his Bucks party in Byron Bay, f- you know, five years ago or whatever. And I got Matty Lloyd's number, and I and I rang him, <laughs> and he, he reckons made his phone, his phone went like Campbell Brown, like what? Why is why is he calling me? Like what's happened? I said, Lloydy, um, what's your address? Fuck, I'm not giving you my address. I've come here with my family. What do you fucking want? What's this all about? Right? And then I said, oh, mate, you know, Sully's having a, a Bucks. I want to dress him up on his Bucks as as, as you, Essendon number 18, Essendon gear, and I'd love it if you'd write him a message, right? <laughs> and, and he goes, oh, that's awesome. I'd be more than happy to. So I came around. I bought the Essendon gear and everything and put the number 18 on the back and you know, was there with, I was sitting having a cup of tea with his wife and kids. <laughs> that right? is so Which, good. If you go back three years earlier, like unheard of, people wouldn't have believed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, And he, and he signed, um, you know, to Brad, you know, congratulations on the upcoming, you know, nuptials. I hope you stay awake at your bucks longer than you did at the MCG. Oh. That day. Signed, <laughs> signed Matty Lloyd, right? Which is unbelievable. And I took it up to Byron on the Saturday. We went to the Great Northern and I dressed him up as 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 Lloydy for his bucks. The boys would lose yeah, it. Yeah, it was brilliant, mate. Oh, that's great brilliant. by Lloyd. Oh, that's all like the velvet sledgehammer. So he loved that. He loved the fact that I, you know, I'd, I'd like because, mate, like it was an on-field rivalry. Yeah. I, I, you know me. Like I'm pretty laid back off the field. Like Fair I don't, right. I don't um hold grudges. Nah. And I, I, I love the, the 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 journey that. We went on. You yeah. Know? Oh, it's a lot of respect as well once it's all done. Yeah. Man, that is a great story. Yeah. That is a great story. Big Lord, I'll oh, bring it around. You're having a cup of tea cup with of the tea. fam. Yeah. And one of the most beautiful families, uh, the, the whole Lloyd family. I know Simon and Brad really well, but yep. yeah. They're, well, the um, Lua, Brad Lloyd managed me for my first seven years. Oh, and, really? And Simon was my my sort of footy sports psych, psych. when I first got there. So people didn't realize that uh, I got it like – I had the Lloyds sort of all all, all around, around me, like looking after me, and um, and there was just a little that rivalry with Maddie, right? You know, but um, yeah, that's fucking brilliant. Ah, it's good stuff. There you go. Love the question. Who asked that one? Give him a give him a big pump up there. I think D Fab. Um, here we go, Kizza. Big shout out to our uh, teared up potty. Did Juddy really go knuckle deep with the gouge? Yes. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, the, the vision's clear as day. Juddy eye gouged me. There was no, there's no doubt about that. But um, uh, he was the favourite for the the Brownlow in 07 and and they sus- they suspended Brownlow betting on the back of that incident. Um, and so I, we finished that game it was West Coast Hawthorne, or and you know there was a there was a big story. You know, Chris Judd done for eye gouging, and um, he ended up getting a week 
but fought it at the tribunal, and and so I had to give evidence, right? So they said, "Oh, yeah, put your suit on and come into AFL House on on Monday night or whatever it was." I was like, "Fuck that!" I finally got a Monday off when I'm I'm not getting rubbed <laughs> out myself, and you're making me come in as a witness. I said, "No, thanks." I'll. I'll do it in shorts, thongs, and and t-shirt via video link, right? <laughs> so, so I gave this unbelievable evidence. You know, yeah, the hand you can see the hand around the, but at no stage did did he eye gouge me. And but I reckon my evidence got Juddy off because they because they um they threw the case out. Yeah, and then about a week later, I went on on the couch. It was my one and only appearance on the couch. Yeah. I was pretty, like, I was nervous. I'm, I'm comfortable in front of the cameras now, but back then, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's a bit full on. And you, Jared Healy, Robert Walls and Mike Sheen, like the doyens of the industry. Intimidating. Yeah. And so I'm, I was sitting there. Um, Mike, the way he worded the question, he sort of softened it on me. He said, oh, Campbell, um, did you tell a fib at, at the tribunal to, to get Juddy off his eye gouging charge? And, and me being a quite an honest guy. I go, oh, of course I did, Mike. You know, what, what would you want to get someone suspended? I, I didn't want him to get suspended and, you know, did what I, I, I believe to be right. I think anyone uh, that gives evidence at the tribunal should try and look after the person, right? Uh, and, mate, next day, uh, Adrian Anderson is rung. Um, I have brought the game into disrepute for openly admitting that I lied at the tribunal, right? And they said, you need to come into AFL house, right? You need to make an apology and we're going to give you a two-week suspension. Give you two weeks. So I go, <laughs> I'm not apologising to anyone because I don't fucking apologise, mate, <laughs> especially when I'm in the right. So I'm not apologising so you can do what you want and you're giving me double the week's suspension and the guy that I gouged me, right? <laughs> I said, that doesn't, that doesn't add up, right? Nah. And so I copped $15,000 fine, right? Misleading uh, misleading evidence of the tribunal. <laughs> seven and a half of it was suspended. Yeah. But I got I got hit with $7,500 fine. And, um, and yeah, mate, could, could play the next week, but uh, I was uh, – I sent Jody an invoice, but I didn't <laughs> – have you, has he paid it yet? <laughs> no, nah, he didn't pay it, but he gave me a stock tip a few years ago. Said, mate, you want to buy this and then you want to get out of this. And he's very much, uh, so is there a, he's very much paid his way. Oh, there we now, go. Jay, <laughs> what a great man. Yeah, what a great story. Great. Mate, you could do a doco just on your stories. I was, I was, I've been that unlucky, mate. Like, oh, you've been, but it's almost I? lucky for everyone else. I mean, that, that is very stiff. An honest man looking after a, another team, Correct. not a teammate, another guy on another team. And then just looking at another guy on the eye and being honest with him. Yeah. and Because I reckon if Mike Sheen had said, did you lie at the tribunal? I, I might have answered it differently, but the, the way he said, great journalism, you yeah. know. Did you tell a little fib? Like he fib sucked he, you in, you know. Like, and then I gave him fucking what oh, he wanted, mate, yeah, which, which cost me. He, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and not only that, it, it would have made him a lot richer as well. His story would have been all over the papers. Yeah. But mate, it, like anything, I'd I'd prefer to be too honest and not honest enough yeah, in that hard. regard. You know, yeah. like, it's a very political game when you're in that. That's why you probably don't. Going on TV and you got to represent yourself, your club. You know, it's just very hard to be honest yeah. in, in modern day footy. I think they're getting better with the media. Um, that's what I love about the podcast. Try not to talk too much footy because yeah, we don't get can, them in trouble. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, it's a, you're always talking on behalf of the club. Therefore, you can't Correct. you can't say, say what you what deep you down want to say. Yeah, and if you do, you you, you cop it for That's it. So right. it's a hard one. Um, Brady G, best winner he's had on the punt. We spoke about that, but maybe the best is there a, the best horse, just individual moment. Uh I love Sunline. He's, he's one of the reasons. Might and Power, I loved Might and Power back in the day. That nineteen ninety seven Caulfield Cup was just magnificent. Um, I uh, I went to all four of Winx's Cox Plates. Oh, like that special. was pretty special. I was um, actually at the last one as well. Yeah, we went to two of them. That was I've never seen them. I had people crying. Or were you crying? You were out of tears. No, I wasn't crying, but I'd, I'd never seen Mooney Valley as packed. Like people were coming from everywhere. They had like the the. the memorabilia and the yeah. flags and, you know, people were taking their children to watch this horse because they're like, you'll never see a horse like it. Like that, that's, that's racing, mm. that's sport. Yeah. It is. It is. Who do you think's the next, who do you think's the best horse we've got at the moment? Uh, strip just got beat convincingly. Yeah. Animo is the best horse going around in the country at the moment. Um, I think nature strips best probably behind him. Um, he's nine now. He's a bit vulnerable. He'll still win some races. I reckon um, if you watch this before Saturday, when does this drop? Uh, nah, this will be next week. Okay. But just give it because we can- I reckon Steel City is one to follow. It, 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 it'll run really well in the Blue Diamond, right? But irrespective of how it goes in that, um, I reckon it's one that you follow and it will be like the next Cool and Gatter, Ooh. you know, like the young yeah, yeah, young yeah, one yeah. that's come through and it's one, two group ones. But I reckon Steel City could be a star. Steel City, love it, love it. All right, we've got a couple more. Again, D-Fab just said also, tell him he's the fucking king. So <laughs> Go on, you fab. <laughs> um, the Snake Morris goes, tell us the snake story. <laughs> we'll have to keep that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. That one off the stage yeah, where no it was. Story. Uh, I think that's about snake. it. I think that's about it. I think that's, uh, there's plenty of other questions. Oh, here you go. Would he give up his AFL premiership to own a horse that wins a Melbourne Cup from pole 26? Ooh, nothing. I'd never give my AFL premiership for anything, but um, hopefully, mate, hopefully we can we can get a, a Melbourne Cup runner. That'd be great, and let, let alone be. a winner, but you'd nah, have nah. to fucking, you'd have to pull me premiership m medal uh, off my my dying Hand, <laughs> I love it. With the, I, ashes. I actually have no idea where it is. To be honest with you, but a lot of people do that. They put them in somewhere. It's in my house somewhere. But if yeah. you said to me exactly where, I, I wouldn't be able to pinpoint it. At the <laughs> it's got a few dings in that. <laughs> do you pull it out every now days. and then just to remind people? Oh, uh, not often. Not uh, often. Nah, nah, they already know. Yeah, that's right, mate. I can't thank you enough. Um, and and I know you're hungover, and this is this is the energy you get. So if you're out there and you want more of the imagine brown dog, fresh. oh, imagine him fresh. Sen track. How many times are you on that? Monday, Tuesday, Fridays. Monday, yep. Tuesday, Fridays. Um, we'll do more of these. Brown dog's got more. We haven't even spoke footy, mate. We haven't even spoke about when I got kicked off the Lord's te uh, the the Lord's pitch at the Ashes. Oh, give us it before nah, we go. Nah, nah, we'll I'll save it. Save it for another good day. little good little teaser there. Good little teaser. Tune in as always. Subscribe, like, leave a comment on all our um, podcasts because it helps us get better. We've currently got a survey going on. I'm going to leave it up for another week. It's to review last year. Let us know um, how we did, what you want to see, with some new concepts coming. Uh, the Brown Dog was a huge one to kick off the season. And, uh, yeah, can't thank you enough. So please hit the link, uh, the show notes to uh, see the survey. Fill that one out for us if you're a true ace. Um, let's really grow this sports club. And Brown Dog, thanks great again, to mate. See you, Tommy. Oh, Always good to see great you. Great to see you. I think we need to go get a Malibu and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. lemonade. Let's <laughs> have one, mate. Thanks, mate. Really appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers. Thanks for listening to another episode of Tommy Talks, where you literally can't thank you enough for all your support. Speaking of support, 
our great mates, Milwaukee Tools. Without yous, we wouldn't be here. Milwaukee Outdoor Power Equipment gives you the power to clear, cut, and maintain the outdoors without the petrol headaches. No pull starts, no engine maintenance, no mixing petrol and oil. Book a test drive now at milwaukeetools.com.au. Milwaukee, nothing but heavy duty. All right, catch you on the next one.